You know, we're in the sermon series, Praying the Psalms, and we've been kind of considering what it means to pray, and then be able to consider what it means to pray when we don't know what to pray or how to pray. First, we have to have an understanding of what prayer is, and that's like a communication with God. That's our speaking and listening to God. But there are times in life when we just don't know what to say. We don't have the words. We don't have the courage. We don't have the peace. And we've been kind of considering how in life, if you'll notice in, that, in your bulletin, there's that diagram where we begin in this sense a season of orientation where we, are, we, we, we live in a, in, a, in a steady world. We're on, we're on firm ground, terra firma. Everything is right as it should be. And we've, we've realized that in life we move away from firm ground in orientation, security, steadiness, and we find ourselves in unsteady ground. We find ourselves disoriented. And then we move through this season into a season of reorientation when we find that ground is becoming firm again. We find ourselves in the world changing and allowing us to live as oriented again. It's a simple diagram, but it's a diagram that shows the seasons of life that we all go through. We're constantly moving from orientation to disorientation to reorientation. And as we think about prayer, Kristen led us last week to consider one of the most, at least for me, one of the more difficult times to pray when we're oriented. When things are going well for me and life is steady and good, what do we pray for? I'm doing fine. Life is good. Things are going my way. But the psalmist reminds us to pray always in all seasons, including when things are going well. To pray and give thanks that God is with us, has been with us, will be with us, with a presence and a love and grace that is overflowing in our life. Because we know, the psalmist knows, that life is going to change. There's going to be a season when life is not going so well. And sometimes that season is extremely difficult. Sometimes that, that season is, is unconquerable, insurmountable. The enemy is too strong. The obstacle is too high, too wide, or too deep. And we're left with fear, with anxiety. We're left with our tears, with our confusion, and unknowing what to say or how to say it. You know, when I was... Growing up, there was a fair that used to come to town. It still does in Tallahassee. It was called the North Florida Fair, and it was for the surrounding area around Tallahassee, and it came every fall, and I loved going to the fair. I mean, who doesn't like a good fair, right? There's rides, there's funnel cakes, there's elephant ears, there's hot dogs, there's cinnamon buns, there's all, there's all kinds of food, and there's all kinds of rides, and the atmosphere is amazing, and you've got the barkers and the, and the carnies, you've got the whole atmosphere. It's like a huge carnival, which is exactly what it is. 
Well, when I was a child, and to this day, I would never go to the fair to ride the rides. Ever. Have you looked at the rides? They're on bricks, blocks. They're frightening. Now, my children love to ride the rides. Leanne loved to ride the rides. I was never a fan. I would go to the fair for the games. I love the games. To knock over the, the milk jars with a baseball or a softball or shoot a basketball into a hoop or to throw a football through a hole or to shoot little ducks or whatever, that, that, was, that, was, that was it for me. I would get there, my parents would give me $10, and me and my friends would, would go straight to the games, and I would blow $10 like that. I never, I never knocked over the milk jars. I never could get the basketball to go into the ring because it was really probably too small and bent. But there was one game on one particular year that captured my attention. It just grabbed me. And I haven't seen it since. But this game was the weirdest thing I have ever seen. It was a rope ladder. And there were two or three rope ladders, and they went up on a very gentle incline, probably eight feet. And the object was to get to the top of the ladder to get the stuffed animal or whatever the prize was on top of the ladder. Now, the ladder was attached to a beam and to a, by turnbuckles, and there was just two points. And there was a net underneath which you were going to need. <laughs> well, that thing, whatever that was, I don't even remember what the prize was, but I was determined to get it. My parents gave me ten bucks. All ten dollars went to the guy selling the rope swing. I tried, and I tried, and I tried. I'd get three tries for every two bucks. I went through $10, boom, gone. Here's the thing. When I'm standing there on, that, on the ground looking at this ladder, and I'm looking up at the prize, and I'm looking down at the ground, and I, I put my feet on the on the first rung of this ladder, and my hands on the rungs up by my chest, and then I take my first couple of steps, and things are going well. I'm in, good, I'm in a good place. The, the ladder is steady. But about that third or fourth reach, that thing began to twir just twirl and sway and swing. And I would be upside down, hanging by one hand, trying to get that prize. My eyes were still on the prize, but there was no way to get there. Time and time again. Well, I went to school the next day, and I thought about that rope ladder all day long. And I got home that afternoon, and I said, Dad, I figured it out. I know I can, I can get to the top of the rope ladder. Can you just take me back to the fair? My dad was like, you can't do it. I, and, I, and I told him, I can, I've got it. I know how to do it. I can distribute my weight. I, this is an eight-year-old talking. I can distribute my weight, and I can hang on with, with, my, with my feet and my, and my hands, and then I can shimmy up using the ropes. My dad, for some reason, agreed to take me back to the fair. 
He gave me my $10 and he went with me. And my whole purpose for going was going to that one thing, the rope ladder. And so I gave the guy two bucks, my first three tries, and I started going. Got up in that third and fourth thing and it twisted again and I went right to the net. Time and again. And so I went and I said, my dad goes, you know, you can't, you can't do it. He said, when you get to that third or fourth step, he's taking his foot off the ladder and it's just spinning. I said, I can do it. Convinced. Life is like that. We feel steady. We feel secure. We, we are convinced that we can that we can get to the prize, we can get to the goal, we can get to the finish line. We can climb the ladder. But life has all kinds of challenges, all kinds of obstacles, all kinds of enemies, and they are coming at us from every angle, and we find ourselves just twirling, twisting, and spinning to and fro until we can't hang on anymore. The psalmist understands that as well as anybody. When we're laying on our back, confused, dazed, and disoriented, and we don't know what to say, we don't know how to say, the psalmist is there because the, the psalmist is on his back. The psalmist is praying for us and with us. We continue with Psalm 22, beginning in verse 16. For dogs are all around me. A company of evildoers encircles me. My hands and feet have shriveled. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far away. O my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. From the horns of the wild oxen you have rescued me. I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. May God bless the reading of the word. God. Psalm 22 is a, what we call an, an individual lament psalm. These are wonderful, powerful psalms. As it's written from a perspective of one person undergoing severe distress. When life is so disoriented that life looks short... That life looked like it's already over because the enemy is too strong. The obstacles are too high. And so the psalmist cries out 
he cries out to God. And he says, I have a complaint, God. My enemies are too strong for me. My ground is not secure and steady or strong or firm. And my enemies encircle and encroach me and I cannot win. And the lament goes on to offer a petition. To say, God, in my condition, in this in this place, I need your help. I need your aid. I need your salvation. I need to be saved. Because I'm not strong enough. I'm way too weak. And my enemies are way too strong. But the psalmist doesn't end with the complaint or the petition. The psalmist in a lament continues with trust. The psalmist realizes and offers his belief that God is steadfast and sure and true and faithful and is never too far away and has come in the past and will be present in, the, in my current situation and will come again when I need God. And so the psalmist, in his complaint, in his petition, offers his trust in God. And when you read to the very end, through verse 31 of Psalm 22, you can hear the psalmist celebrate. Praise God, because God has come to the rescue. God has resolved the trouble. And life is reoriented. Life is as it should be. The changes that needed to take place have occurred. My enemies have been vanquished. The obstacles have been cleared. And life is now normal again. That's an individual lament. That's the structure of, a, of an individual lament in the Psalms. The power of the psalmist in this lament is that the psalmist is there. The psalmist has experienced what we experience as humans because all of humanity has experienced disorientation of some form or some fashion. Broken relationships, divorce, death, loss, changes, moves, storms, disasters, wars, violence, crime, injustice. We've all experienced some form of disorientation and it leaves us helpless and when we don't know what to say and we don't know how to say it we can say it with the psalmist my God my God why have you forsaken me why does my life look so desolate? But I know you're here. And I know you will save me. So come. Help me. Because my world is upside down. And I don't know where to turn. The opening verse of Psalm 22 for me is probably 
the most powerful thing that the psalmist offers us. Because in the simple phrase, my God, my God, the psalmist understands, just as Jesus Christ understood on the cross, that we have a relationship with God that is intimate. We have a relationship with the creator of all things, known and unknown. That we can call out, my God, my God. And we can lay our heaviest burden on my God. Because Yahweh is big enough, strong enough, just enough, and good enough to take it. So whatever is going on in our lives, whatever is disorienting for us, we all have our disorientations. We all have obstacles and hurdles and enemies that encircle and encroach. We all have a rope ladder that turns us upside down and spins us out of control. Whatever yours is, just declare with the psalmist, my God, my God, come and help me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.